So we uh, this morning are in Acts chapter 2, so please turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And um, as we're there, hold your place there. And then go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. So after 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So Philippians chapter... I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So if I were to ask you... Um, the church, how is it supposed to behave? How is it supposed to function? Where would you go? Just say New Testament. I'll give you the answer. <laughs> it's the New Testament, right? I know we're going to a specific area. But what we're looking at this morning is is we saw um, the birth of the church as the Spirit, the promise of the the Holy Spirit came, right? And on that day of Pentecost, we're still on the day of Pentecost, by the way, this morning. But we see the birth of the church. Uh, Next week, we're covering Acts 2, 42 through 47, uh, which is uh, really the gathering of the saints after uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and we see the birth of, of, of the church in that sense to where that was the first gathering after the coming upon of the Holy Spirit and, and the, the sending of the Holy Spirit. Um, but in Ephes- I want to fast forward. I want to fast forward because th- this is what we're getting to uh, as the church uh, gets started in, uh, in Acts chapter 2. So Ephesians chapter 4 and verse, uh, we'll start in verse 11. It says, and he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to, for a specific purpose, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, not tearing down, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. That's, that's our goal. That's what we're going toward. That's what we're striving for, each and every person to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. So we may not be duped, so we may not be fooled by false doctrine. Mature in Christ and standing solid on sound doctrine. Um, Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So all of this, we're going to take a look at at the, the initial work, the very thing, the very point where all of this started. Because 
after we see people getting saved, we're going to see 3,000 people get saved all at once. And so the church starts at that point. But there's a purpose to it all. So that's why I say, if you want to know the purpose of our gathering together, the church, uh, you know, it's for a specific purpose. If you had another thought in mind that is contrary to what we're learning about in the Word of God, then know that God is right and you are wrong. Because He's always right. And we can go to the Word of God and stand on it. It's solid. It, it doesn't shift by the culture of the day we live in, uh, by popular opinion. It, it's, not, it's not moved by any of that. And so I, I wanted to like fast forward to that. Because this is the very beginning of the church is what we're looking at in, in the verses that we're covering in Acts chapter 2. This is just the, the baby, the infancy of the church. But this is where the church was going and it moved quickly. It moved quickly in that direction. And so uh, the title of this morning's message is Today Salvation Has Come. Today Salvation Has Come. If you were to keep that in mind every single day, Today salvation has come. You would consider the fact that you can run to the strong tower, Jesus. You can run to the refuge, not here, but run to the refuge who is Jesus Christ. For he is faithful. And, um, and you know that you can live out your salvation. You can work out your salvation, as the Bible says, with fear and trembling, with true reverence for the Lord. And... Um, and just demonstrating your love for him by the, by the manner in which you live your life. So let's pray and we'll get into our study. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for what we have before us. For it is your very word. I pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding. And that we would understand that what took place on this day a couple thousand years ago is the very same thing that we ought to consider today, be mindful of, and ought to have a preeminent position in our lives. That we would not only be mindful of our own lives, but that we would declare with great confidence and boldness the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who would be willing to hear. That you may loosen our tongue Lord, to, to just uh, get out of the way and allow your spirit to speak truth to others and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I, I pray, Father, that you would do your wonderful work this morning, give each here understanding, and I pray, Lord, that we too, as those 3,000 souls are cut to the heart, that we too would know a conviction, Lord, that leads to eternal life and life abundantly. And so we commit this time into your hands, Lord, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we learned about the birth of the church as the promised Holy Spirit came, filled that place that all the disciples and the apostles were in, that, that room. And, um, and, and this was in, in Jerusalem. As they were waiting for him, they were told to go to Jerusalem, not go anywhere else, but go there until the Holy Spirit came. And so they did. And we know that there was a purpose for them being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's to be Jesus' witnesses uh, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, and in other words, uh, near and far. It, it was all for the purpose, the one purpose, of being 
witnesses of Jesus Christ and who he truly is, who he claimed to be, was true for others to come to the belief in salvation themselves. Well, it was quite an amazing experience as we read those, uh, those verses in the, the, the first few verses of chapter 2. It was an amazing experience for the believers and for those witnessing what was taking place as the believers were given words to speak in foreign languages they had never learned in order to testify of the mighty works of God. Well, of course, this got the attention of thousands of people as they gathered together. They, they heard the mighty rushing wind. They saw evidence of the Holy Spirit coming and empowering the disciples and the apostles to speak in these other languages. And these were just just country folk, right, that hadn't learned any other language, and yet they were speaking in all these different languages. And like I told you yet, uh, last week, it's, uh, it's at least 15 different languages that they were speaking, which was quite amazing. So, of course, everyone now is brought together. Um, the, the, the apostles and the disciples, well, they've got the attention of the people. Remember that it was the time of the festival of Pentecost. Fifty days earlier was the Passover when Jesus was crucified. And news of his death, burial, and resurrection was uh, fresh on the minds of everyone around there. The ascension of Jesus Christ had taken place ten days earlier. And now we have another spectacular event as the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind, filled the place where the disciples were and the, the apostles, and gave them the words to speak in foreign languages, declaring again, I might remind you, the mighty works of God. It wasn't for any other purpose, declaring the mighty works of God. Many were amazed, astonished, perplexed. And we know from verse 13 that some even resorted to mocking the disciples by saying that the disciples were, were drunk. Well, Peter stood and spoke. Peter had spoken previously in the midst of 120 believers that were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit to testify of prophecy that had taken place according to scripture about the betrayal uh, that was uh, acted upon by Judas Iscariot and how scripture commanded that he be replaced by someone who had witnessed Jesus' life from his baptism to his ascension, all of that. And they picked two guys and then from that they, they brought it down to one. Now Peter stood up to explain from scripture prophecy being fulfilled. That's what was taking, that is what's taking place now. What was taking place at that particular moment had been foretold by the prophet Joel. Peter quoted Joel 2:28 through 32. And this was eight, about 835 years earlier. So here we are, 835 years later. And Peter stands up to explain what they had just witnessed. I think about how we may explain the days in which we're living in. Uh, different situations that we're faced with. Why is it that, you know, as kids, kids have a lot of questions, right? There, there is that certain time that they come into as children, and they're very curious. Uh, they're very challenging, too. And you can tell them one thing, and their one question that they asked, o ask over and over and over and over and over and over again is, they're all parents. Why? 
You know, and as we grow up, we ask the same questions. Same questions. Why is this happening? Why did that happen? It's the same. I wonder how, how would we describe to someone else the days in which we're living in? Well, it's funny you ask because we're going to answer in Scripture. Right? We, that's what we need to learn is, is to go to Scripture to have an answer for the things that people ask even today. Let me ask you this. Does this not describe the days in which we're living in? But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, not, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of ple pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Does, does that describe today? Yeah. So save yourselves from this perverse generation. Come to Christ. That's really where Peter brought everyone to. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were uh, the days of Noah... So will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. In other words, there were no cares. They were just all about themselves. It's me, myself, and I. This is the day in which we are living in today. It's all about me, right? And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. How many people were saved in Noah's day? How many people went into the ark? Eight, ocho, eight, right? And who was it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Noah, and all their wives? No, that's another story, right? Shemham and Japheth, yeah, their wives, Noah and his wife. Now, were there just clean animals that were brought in? This is all a side note. <clears throat> but it's important. This is to have an answer for the hope that lies within you, to have an answer for it. Like, why? 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 Clean and unclean, by the way. Clean and unclean were brought into the ark. Why is that? What, what is that a picture of? Christ, salvation, right? My son. I'm encouraged by the questions that he's asking me from Virginia Beach, Virginia. He asked me this question, what's the significance of clean and unclean animals going into the ark? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. It's a picture of salvation that's going to come and has come to both Jews and Gentiles. Remember Peter's vision? Peter's vision. He was given this vision by God. Oh, no, I, there's no way I'm going to eat unclean animals. I never have, you know, I never will. No, 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 don't clean, don't, don't, don't uh, uh, call unclean what, what I have cleaned, what I have brought about as being clean. Just a lot. So anyway, what I'm saying with all of this is that we, we have the answer for the things that we're faced with on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Just look it up in Scripture. Look it up in Scripture. Well, Peter quoted Joel 2, 28-32 to explain what had just taken place, what they had experienced. But he didn't stop there. He continued to speak to explain that the time that they were in was what Joel was leading into. So he concluded in the last verse there in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 21, where he wanted to go into the next section and explain who Jesus was and is and why he has come. He said, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he explained who Jesus was and what he did. From this explanation, the gospel and the response of the people, we then see how the fellowship of the believers came together and how it should look like today. Nothing's changed. We're the ones that, that try and shift things around to make it look a little bit different, but we're not God. And so let's just keep it the way God had des has designed it to be. And, and, and that's it, period. We don't emphasize some things over another. It's just the emphasis should, should be a biblical emphasis as the word of God tells us it should be in regards to the fellowship of the saints, period. That's it. This morning, we'll see how to explain with scripture, testify, and, and two things, and testify with scripture. So explain with scripture and testify with scripture. I've already given you a few examples of how to explain with scripture, right? And next week, we're going to take a look at how we ought to fellowship with scripture. Not we ought to fellowship with scripture, but, but fellowship in line with scripture, in line, in how Scripture defines the fellowship of the saints. So <clears throat> let's begin with chapter 2 and verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and, and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, <clears throat> Peter was explaining. That's what he was doing with Scripture. And, and he referred to Joel. In Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. We have to learn, we have to learn that last part, with gentleness and respect. We, we can do that. We, we are given so many opportunities. We really are. If we pay attention, just, just in the conversations that we have with, with other people, 
um, you know, be, be looking for opportunities to where you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. To anyone who would lend an ear, great. Tell them. Tell them. Don't hold back. Don't miss those opportunities. Do the work of an evangelist is what the Bible tells us to do. Um, in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, says this, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Where does wisdom come from? Where, where does true knowledge come from? From God. It, it comes from God. Again, it's not something that we, we mystically, you know, get out of, you know, that's just floating around in the air. We get it from the word of God. It's right before us. The whole of scriptures is right there. It's given to us. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. You know, I... I Think about sometimes the things that I hear come out of your mouth when people ask you questions. And, and uh, how many times have you been asked something and you've been in a conversation and you walk away and you think, how, how did I put all that together? How was that explained in, in such a way, hopefully, that they understood? You know, how, how did that come about? Well, it's a work of the Holy Spirit in you as you gain knowledge according to the word of God and you explain it to someone else. He's the one that articulates for you. He's the one that gives understanding. I'm talking about the Lord. He's the one that does that. All you have to do is be a willing vessel. That's it. Just have confidence in him. And what you do know, allow him to use you to explain it to someone else. Don't worry about what you don't know. Because I've learned that I don't know very much. And as you, as you do learn more about the Lord, you, you come to understand this. As you draw closer to him, you see your filth. As you draw closer to him and, and see how amazing he is, you realize, I, I don't know anything. I, I don't know anything. And there's so much more to learn to know. <clears throat> this is how the Christian should be when it comes to the word of God. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Right? So, you know, you think about these things as, as you get more familiar with the word of God. Right? So, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Absolutely, don't hang out with immoral people. You know, witness to them, but just know that God's word is true, and if you hang out with them long enough, and you just, you just tend to lean that way, that's what we tend to do. Why? Because there's this battle between the flesh and the spirit, and if we feed the, the flesh more than the spirit, guess who wins out? Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That speaks of you and me. That's where we should be. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit, 
fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So to prosper in God's eyes is to yield the fruit of his wisdom as necessary and at all times when called upon. That's what I'm speaking about. The, the person who meditates on God's word at some point, you know, it's like he won't go out of season. The fruit, when it's necessary, it will be there. It will be there because you're drawing from the source that is eternal. It's the Lord. How, at what point does he run out of what you need? Never, right? You will never be found without when you are plugged into the one who has a never-ending supply of what you need. How would we find this type of life? By reading, studying, and meditating on the Word of God, as, as we see here. Scripture. The Bible. Second Peter 1.3 says this, His divine power has granted to us all things, not some things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. How? By simply opening up Scripture and just read. Don't worry about, well, I don't understand a lot of stuff. It's okay. I still don't understand a lot of stuff. I'm trying also to put it all together and see how it all fits in. There are many things. I'm, I'm, I will study until I go home to be with the Lord. Because it's all coming together. Have you guys arrived? Let me know if someone like, really has it all together. Because I'll, I'll change you spots right now. And you, you explain it all. Right? No, none of us have arrived. Even, even the Apostle Paul said, oh, I have not attained. The Apostle Paul, right? None of us. But we know in Scripture, he has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And so what we see here is a man of God explaining what the people had just experienced through Scripture. By scripture. He said, hey, Joel. Chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. Which they didn't have it broken down like that. But for us, we can look back at it in that manner. This is what's before us. Now, he did not say that it was fulfilled. This is one thing that he didn't say. He referenced it. He said, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. There is more to come as far as this prophecy was concerned. So from here, Peter goes on to explain the good news of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is, what was prophesied about him in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter commanded everyone's attention is what he did here by doing this. Immediately going to Joel, you know, 835 years ago, this is what he wrote, this is what you're experiencing now. He spoke confidently because he believed and explained truth simply and clearly and with biblical precision. Biblical precision. Basically, he said, hey, listen, fellas, these guys aren't drunk, okay? It's only 9 o'clock. I mean, give him a little bit more time, right? No, he didn't say that. But it's, it's not even like the time when, you know, some people, I guess, get to that point. But it, it's 9 a.m., no, they're not drunk. And if you really think about it, like, like we, we joked around last week, but drunk people aren't, you know, all of a sudden gifted in speaking German and French and 
Italian and all that's not how, how it works, right? That's a different spirit that they're filled with, spirits, and, uh, and they do different things, but not that. Well, Peter said, that's not the case, okay? So, come on, guys, think about this, all right? This is what's going on. And then he quotes Joel. Let's list some important points. Number one, God declares. Not anyone else. It's not Peter declares. It's not James declares. It's not anyone else declares. It's God declares. That's really important for us to, to get here. Because in verse 17, that's what he starts out saying. And so as Joel said, so does Peter. He says, and in the last days it shall be God declares. So God declared this word. It wasn't the word of Peter. Not man, not man's opinion, simply man's observation and proper interpretation, which originates with the Bible, the word of God. For us, I just want to bring this out just in a very simple fashion. That's what I want to do. I want to lay it before you to where it's just understandable. I want to put the cookies, as J. Vernon McGee says, on the bottom shelf. This is what we want to do. We want to understand what's before us. And it's not anyone else's opinion. It's not my interpretation. It's not Peter's interpretation. This is simply what God's word says. It's the word of God. Secondly, this term in the last days, it's not a few days, it's not a day. It's actually a season. It's a general period of time, and we are currently in the season of the last days, bookended by the coming of Jesus in humility and his future return in glory. That's what we see. And that's what he's referring to. So we need to understand in context what he's referring to. Again, as I said earlier, this is not saying, he says, these, these were the words uttered by Joel the prophet. He didn't say this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. But these are the last days. Number three, he said, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. To convict of sin is what he was referring to. And to draw all men unto himself as the son of man was lifted on the cross and being crucified. That was prophesied about. As a man was lifted up, the son of man. Who was that? Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And what is it that draws all men unto the Lord? You know, it's his kindness. It's his kindness. It's his love. That's what scripture tells us. Draws all men. It's, it's not, you know, just this breathing down of condemnation of, you know, fire and brimstone. Yes, we, we need to know all of that. We need to have the whole counsel of God, right? But it's his kindness. It's the realization that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still, while, while we were still his enemies, while we were still opposed to him, Christ knew, and yet he still went. He still fulfilled. It's his love. It's his love. Son, you want to be forgiven? Daughter, you want to be forgiven of all your sins? It's, it's there. The gift is, is being presented to you. All you have to do is believe and receive. That's, that's it. That's it. God's kindness and love demonstrated by the sacrifice of his son and the promise of the Holy Spirit sent when he ascended into heaven. It is no longer a periodic pouring out of the spirit as we saw in the Old Testament. But it's the permanent residence that takes place by the spirit in all who call on the name of the Lord. 
Fourthly, Peter did not say that this was now fulfilled, as I have said already a few times, but rather what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In other words, Joel's words explain what was happening then, but Joel's words are not to be taken as completed and fulfilled at that very moment. There's more to come. As you read through Revelation, and and I encourage you to, you'll see some of these things that the prophet Joel prophesied about right here. You'll see in the time of Revelation. Peter was explaining what was happening in order to lead them to Jesus for the purpose of them having a a personal understanding of salvation. That's why he concluded the way he did. So you can say that Peter explained what was going on from Scripture and concludes his explanation of the events by making a statement of truth. He led them to this. This is, I'm just explaining this, and we're coming to this. And it shall come to pass that everyone, I want to emphasize everyone, who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this message of salvation is for, for all. It's not for some. It's for all. So that's why it's important for as, as people gain understanding, it's like the people, the thousands that were gathered there at this point, I imagine you could hear a pin drop. He said this and he got their attention. They, they, were, they were drawn in. Physically, I could see them leaning in, paying close attention. So it'd be good for us as we, as we come to find, uh, find out and understand how much God loves us, and how it is that we could perhaps understand and know salvation personally, we should, be, we should be drawn in, drawn into the Lord. As it was then, it is now. We can explain events regarding the day in which we live in from Scripture, knowing that the days are evil. Fallen man has an inclination to glorify himself. Deification, so we, we deify ourselves, and we do that all the time. So we, we know that sin separates us from God, but God made it possible to be forgiven of all our sins by sending his son to the earth to die on the cross to pay for our sins by his shed blood. And salvation comes by confessing our sins, repenting of our sins, turning from our sins, and surrendering our lives to Jesus who promised eternal life through him. And the, by the way, the world, the flesh, and Satan are all on the same page. All right? They're all united they they all that's that's the false trinity they're all on the same page against god to lead as many as possible to eternal condemnation but i'm getting ahead of myself let's see how peter testified of jesus with scripture so let's continue verse 22 says men of israel hear these words jesus of nazareth a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, and he quotes Psalm 16, 8 through 11, says this, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Verse 29, brothers, I may say to you, 
with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seen and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, quoting Psalm 110.1, says, the Lord, is at my, at, uh, the, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And then Peter concludes this portion saying, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He said more, and we'll learn about that in just a few moments, but, but this was his, his sermon. Pretty simple, straight and to the point. This was it. This is what led 3,000 people to be saved right here. There was a quick understanding. See, once we're, we're, um, we're given the truth, we're faced with the truth, we have a choice. We are at that point responsible and held accountable for what we've come to know. What is your choice? And they knew at that point, okay, we either believe and receive or don't believe and reject. That, those are the only two options. That's it. There's no in-between. There's no, oh, I'll think about it. No, to think about it is to reject. You've just rejected the truth. Peter saying with his, Jesus, uh, and Peter saying with his, Jesus demonstrated that he was not only a man, Jesus of Nazareth, is what he said. He referred to him as Jesus of Nazareth. But that he was also God by the miracles he performed. He, he proved that over and over and over and over and over again. And he didn't do it in secret. He did it in public. It is, this was common knowledge. Everyone knew about all the miracles that he did. Jesus, he said, was delivered to, to die on the cross. Just as it was prophesied. And it was according to God's plan and foreknowledge. This isn't something that surprised God. Oh, wow, I had a different plan. And so, okay, we'll just roll with this. No, no, no. This was God's plan, and, and it was his foreknowledge. He knew this. This is his plan of salvation, by the way, from the very beginning, from Genesis. And Peter said right from the start that those listening were the ones who crucified and killed Jesus. At this point, they could have gathered stones if, if that was, the, you know, if, if they, they realized that perhaps he was telling a lie. But he started out with, with Joel, and now he's moving on to what they have come to know themselves. They didn't pick up stones to stone Peter. He was still standing. And he declared right from the start, you crucified and killed Jesus. And yes, it was through the hands of um, lawless men, but you were the reason. put them on the stand and he said you're guilty they were the reason Jesus went to the cross and so are you and I 
Jesus died, but he was raised from the grave by God, conquering death, as Jesus never knew the decay of his body, as it says in Scripture, that he would not. So Peter quoted Psalm 16, 8 through 11 to point this out. That's what he quoted. Peter further explained that this was not a word about David. You see, David had died and was buried, and they knew exactly where his tomb was, and his bones were still there. Right there. Right there. You can, you can check for yourself. You can check Jesus' tomb, and his body is not there. It is empty. The tomb is empty. On the third day, he rose from the grave. And he appeared to all his apostles, disciples, and over the course of 40 days, and then he ascended to be with the Father. Peter explained how God had promised that one from his lineage would sit on the throne. One from David's lineage would sit on the throne forever. And it, was, and it is the one who has not seen corruption and was instead raised from the dead. And everyone was a witness to that. Everyone knew. It was fresh on their minds. They all knew. They couldn't deny what they had come to know themselves. They all knew what Peter was talking about and referring to. And Jesus, and just as Jesus had promised, when he ascended and was exalted to the right hand of God the Father, the Holy Spirit would be sent and poured out. And it just happened. Right now, just a few moments ago, Peter, Peter spoke up, he stood up and spoke. But just a few moments ago, the Holy Spirit, you saw what took place. And now I'm explaining to you, this is, this is all happening right now. Right now. And he was saying, this, what, we're, what I just told you about, is not speaking of King David, but Jesus Christ. Peter brought it around explaining what was taking place by testifying of Jesus with Scripture. He was explaining who Jesus was with Scripture. Note Peter's final words of his sermon. He put them all on notice at that point. Verse 36 says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He said it again, whom you crucified. In other words, Peter was telling them that they had it all wrong. And what was just explained is the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Peter declared that Jesus was both Yahweh. Oh, and he was a Savior, Messiah. I am. People are led to believe that it's okay to formulate your own opinion of who God is. It isn't, that's common. That really is common. You know, but what people end up doing is forming a God that is made in their own image. When we get to that point to where it's, this is just our opinion, that's what we think. You know, and I remember thinking that way. Before, before coming to the understanding of, of really who God is according to his word, and then coming to experience God in my own life, I did the same thing. We, we can't expect the world to think any differently. You see, the world forms a God in their, in their own image. It's backwards. It's backwards. We don't realize that he formed us in his, his image right? and that we have a purpose, and not, to, not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify him. That's our purpose in life. And as we draw closer to the Lord and understand his word, we walk that out in our own lives to his glory, but, but really we're living an abundant life, and we're living a life that's upright with a clear conscience and, and a pure heart before him, knowing that our hope lies in Jesus Christ. We have the answer to eternal life and his salvation through Jesus Christ. 
We know that. But people are led to believe that it's okay to formulate their own opinion of who God is. But what people end up doing is they form a God in their own image. Once you're convinced that this is true, you're led to destruction and eternal separation. We think it's the right path, but it's not. It leads to death and destruction. A separation from God because you reject the one who leads you to forgiveness, reconciliation to God the Father and eternal life in His glory. Your, your route just got deviated. You deviated from true north. You're on another path. It's not the word that is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Because you don't have the light. And if you're not walking in the truth, you're not walking in the light. You're walking in darkness. Even if you're a believer and you've strayed away from the truth of God's word, just know that you basically dumped the lamp. You just like, or you've forsaken the lamp. You, you like, you've done away with the light and you're walking in darkness. You're back to groping. Looking for the other day. Well, I was here. <laughs> I was here and I was, I was in the back and it was just yesterday and the lights were all, I had turned all the lights off and, and uh, just for a moment, you know, your eyes need to adjust a little bit. And I went from like full light, especially when you're coming in from the outside and then coming into dark. And I was like, oh my, wow, where's the doorknob? <laughs> you know, and you're going, that's how we look when we, when we reject the truth of God's word and we go from the light to darkness, we're back to this. I, I can't, I can't find my way. No, the light needs to be turned on, and then you'll see your way. Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14.6. And so once the people heard this, they responded as they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart simply means that they were convicted of their sins. It's the work of the Holy Spirit as he revealed the truth. And he also re revealed the truth that they were not saved. And the Holy Spirit was leading them to, to truth. They accepted and confessed their guilt, guilt and they were responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. They came to understand that. They, they understood their guilt they believed at that very moment. That's why they said, brothers, what shall we do? That's, that's why Peter said, well, you need to believe. Well, the reason why they were asking, well, you know, brothers, what shall we do? The, the reason why they were asking that is, it's like us at this point, each and every one of you saying, I believe what the word of God says about me and my condition outside of Jesus Christ. I am condemned to eternal, the eternal fire in brimstone of of hell. I, I realize that I'm guilty for my sin and I will be held accountable. So I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and salvation comes by no other. I, I believe that. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and He died for my sins. I believe that. It's like you saying right now, oh, then what do we do? What do we do? And that's what they did at that point. They came to believe at that very moment. Because they believed and confessed, Peter didn't have to tell them that they needed to believe and confess. He simply told them that they were to respond to their belief and confession by repenting of their sins. Turning from them. Number one, if you've come to believe, there's, there's one thing that should be evident in your life. A desire to bless and glorify the Lord. How do you do that? Well, turn from your sin. Well, how do I do that? 
Just turn from your sin. Yeah, but that seems so difficult. I don't know. You make decisions every day, don't you? Are they really so hard? The reason why they're hard is because you really don't desire to do that. Then you don't know the Lord, the Lord's love as much as you ought to. The moment you realize how much God loves you and what he did for you is the moment you will repent and just turn. How is it that someone that has come to the Lord has forsaken all to follow him? Oh, because they realized that the road that they were going down was the road of destruction. And now I'm running to Christ. I want to bless and glorify him. There's no other answer to my life now. It's just Jesus Christ. I've surrendered to him everything. And I've found eternal life and the abundant life in him. I have a clear conscience. I've been forgiven of all my sins. Of course, I'm going to live my life to bless and glorify him. That's my desire now. That's what I want. So, number one, he told him to repent and identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, be baptized. In other words, obey the command of the Lord. Be baptized. Identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's now time to walk in obedience to Christ to demonstrate your belief in and love for him. We learn that as we gather together as a fellowship of believers and we start growing. Remember, we went to Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 11 through 16, we went through that. That's what we're working toward, getting there to where we all come together and do our part for those reasons. This promise of salvation is for all who are called. Who's called? Everyone's called. There's argument. I believe it's completely unbiblical. We are not Calvinists. We don't believe that uh, some are um, really assigned to eternal condemnation and others um, to eternal salvation. Uh, that, I believe, is, and is, as it says in Scripture, I, I believe there's ample evidence to where that's nonsense. That's nonsense. And here's why. Second Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The Calvinists say that um, there are those who are called. Why would we be worried about any perishing if you really didn't have a choice? So, <clears throat> not wishing that any should perish. That means that we have free will um, and that we can reject. That's why the Holy Spirit can be uh, quenched and it can be grieved, right? Because you reject. John 3.16 says, For God so loved all the world. Was that all nations, or was that just the elect? You know, those who were selected by the Lord. The world means the world, doesn't it? All nations, all peoples. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, whoever is, whoever, whoever, or whoever's, whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. All are called, but not everyone responds to the offer of salvation. We know that. But on this day at Pentecost, many did respond, as Peter explained, even with more words that are not recorded, and 3,000 believed and were baptized. Notice that Peter was exhorting them to respond by exercising their free will. He, he, he said <clears throat> in verse 40, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those were his words. It's Scripture. 
It's not just Peter's words. I know we say Peter, Paul, James, you know, just, just know that these were just the instruments that were used by God to pen. This is the very word of God. So you can say, God said, save yourselves from this crooked generation because he did. Notice also that baptism simply required a genuine belief and surrender to the salvation and lordship of Jesus Christ. Not that we are save ourselves, by the way. And I just want to make a little side note. We don't save ourselves. But we choose to receive salvation. It, it, it's this gift. You know, salvation is in this gift, Jesus Christ. Will you receive it? As you receive it, you just you saved yourself from the condemnation that this world is going to. So, the rest of this chapter, um, we'll learn more about it next week. But we see how, here how Peter explained with Scripture and testified with Scripture. And ne next week, we'll see how Christians fellowship uh, according to Scripture. So, I want to close with this. Notice here that there was a surrender of life by those who believed. That's it. A surrender. The Christian life is, is a series of daily surrenders. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. That's daily. That's daily. Matthew 16, 24 through 26 uh, said, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And this is what Jesus told his disciples. And now they were seeing people believe and surrender their, their lives to Jesus and come to find eternal life. And life abundant. A life of peace because they were made right in Christ. Forgiven of their sins. That's what they came to know. We have the same choice today. This morning for salvation. To all who believe, repent, surrender your life to Jesus. Surrender. Ask God for forgiveness and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and respond to this forgiveness and eternal life by living a life that brings glory to God. That's how we ought to res respond. What, what now? What do we do? Well, I say, please act. I implore you. This is the same thing that Peter was going through in this day. We don't have thousands, but we have you, you're here for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. You're here to listen from the Lord. Not my opinion, but straight from the word of God. Are you paying attention? Are you cut to the heart by the love, of, love that God has for you? The love that he's demonstrated through the sending of Jesus Christ to die for you. What is your response? How has your response been up to this point? Today is the day of salvation. How are you demonstrating your love for Jesus? Today, salvation has come. I, I can say that every single day. Today, salvation has come again. It, it, it's not that it's, it's a repeat, but we need to realize today, salvation has come. I've, I've been saved. How then shall we live? How then shall we respond? And I pray we would respond appropriately, that we would give ourselves as living sacrifices. To anyone here who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I would implore you to respond to what you've come to know. I, I don't have anything more. Peter's laid it all out. 
will you also say, what do we do now? I hope we do, every single one of us. Surrender to the Lord, and you will know life eternal. Believe on the Son of God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, <clears throat> for the love that you've demonstrated to us. Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, thank you for those who have believed have been sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. I just simply, I, I just do pray, Lord, that you would give us strength to respond, to live our lives in a way that honors you. Um, that we may conduct ourselves in a way that is becoming of a follower of Jesus Christ, that we would deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow you in obedience. Why? Because we desire to do that. Because we only love you because you first loved us. Lord, help us. Lord, and I pray for anyone who, is not, who hasn't surrendered their life to you right now, that today, Lord, there would, there would not be any contemplation, no, no further consideration, but it would be at this very moment just a simple surrender. Lord, I give you all. I give you my life. Lord, take it. Take it. It's all yours. Forgive me of my sins, past, present, and future. Lord, thank you, Lord, for offering the gift of salvation. I receive it. Now teach me to walk with you. I pray, Lord, that, that you would move in those hearts. And today would be the day that they become new creatures with new hearts and new desires. Today there would be a surrender and the angels in heaven would rejoice, all the hosts of heaven, because one sinner has repented, or perhaps two, or three, or however many, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and the gift of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.